The story of the visit of the wise men to Jesus is familiar to most of us. Almost every nativity scene has the wise men in it. We sing Christmas carols about them. We just sang two of them. We might even be able to name the three gifts they brought Jesus, even if we don't really know what two of those three are. We just heard Grace Yee read the passage from Matthew that describes the visit of the wise men. You can find this passage on page 807 of the Pew Bibles around you, if you'd like to follow along as we look at it tonight. Now, when you heard Grace read this passage, I wonder if you noticed anything new or unexpected, because there are a few surprising elements to this story. Many authors writing on the visit of the wise men try to highlight these unexpected elements by focusing on what we have often misunderstood about the story. They will start with something like, did you know the wise men weren't actually kings? Did you know there were more than three of them? And did you know they weren't actually at the manger? Uh, To emphasize that last point, that the wise men are seen in the Bible visiting the child Jesus well after his birth, one author I, I read said that when he sets up his Christmas nativity scene in his home, he, he puts the wise men on the other side of the room. He says, it's Christmas Day. They still have a long way to go before they see Jesus. So I didn't actually do that. I wouldn't uh, do that uh, to my family. But, um, you know, of course, it's important to, to work through the popular misconceptions that we have about certain Bible stories. But, but this focus can also distract from the real reason Matthew included the wise men in his gospel. So instead of looking at what the story is not, tonight I'd like to look at what the story is. To get a better understanding of the story, whether you've gone to church your whole life or this is your first time in a church, it's helpful to take a fresh look at the text. So tonight we're going to look at the visit of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, backwards. We'll start at the end with the wise men in the presence of Jesus and move back to the beginning with the wise men yet to start on their journey. So why move backwards through this journey? It's a fair question. Have you ever tried to work a difficult maze on paper? I've watched my kids do, do this. I've done it myself. When I watch my kids do this, they start at the beginning and keep working their way through to the end. And each time they hit a dead end, they back up to the beginning and start and try a different path. At some point, they get tired of this, and what do they do? You know where I'm going, they work the maze backwards, right? Maybe you've done this, I I won't tell anyone if you have. But uh, we, we learned that working a maze backwards usually avoids getting stuck on some of the unnecessary dead ends. This is similar to what we'll do here with Matthew 2 tonight. If we start at the end and have the end goal in mind, we might avoid getting stuck on some of the common distractions from the important message that Matthew wanted to convey. So to do this, we'll ask and answer four questions, and with each, we'll focus first on the text 
and look at what the wise men did and then step back and ask, this, ask the same question of ourselves. Through that, we'll look at how we understand Jesus, how we relate to Jesus through the lens of the wise men. So let's start at the end of the story and ask the first question. What did the wise men do in the presence of Jesus? Let's read that part of the passage, Matthew 2, verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We often focus on the three gifts, and the gifts presented to Jesus are important, and each is, is significant in its own way. But the gift giving is not the first or central part of this visit. What did they do first? They fell down and worshiped Jesus. And this is exactly what they set out to do. Look back at verse 2. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We are starting at the end because I want this to be the central message tonight. Continue to ask yourself, what should we do in the presence of Jesus? Here, tonight, we worship him. We celebrate Christmas by exchanging gifts, but let's not forget the primary reason we are here, to worship Jesus. The gifts of the wise men were not the main focus. That was part of their worship of Jesus. If you are a fellow believer in Christ, strive to worship Jesus more. If you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to keep listening, to learn how you can and should worship Jesus. So let's move on to the second question. Why did the wise men worship Jesus? Let's read verse 2 again. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Who were they looking for? Who were they looking to worship? The one who was born king of the Jews. Chapter 1 in Matthew traces Jesus' lineage through David, the royal line, emphasizing Jesus' role as king. And Jesus was born a king. Did you see that? He didn't ascend to the throne. This inherent kingship is unusual and, un and astounding. The wise men were looking to find and worship the promised king of kings. And Matthew also makes it clear that, that Jesus is worthy of worship because he is the long-expected Messiah or deliverer. When Herod asks where Jesus can be found, the chief priests and the scribes look to the Old Testament prophet Micah, who said that the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. That passage in Micah that they quote from goes on to say more about the coming deliverer. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, 
in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great, and to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is clearly talking about the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The religious leaders knew the wise men sought the Messiah. The wise men were looking to worship Jesus because he is a king and because he is the rescuer that people had been expecting. So, why should we worship Jesus? Because he is our rescuer too. Because of our sins, we deserve eternal punishment. Jesus is the only one who can rescue us from this punishment. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross, taking the punishment for the sins of those who believe in him as their king and savior. He rose to life on the third day, defeating sin and death and securing eternal salvation and eternal life for those who place their trust in him. Tonight, if you haven't done so already, you can recognize Jesus as the king of your life and fall down and worship him as your rescuer. So turning now to our third question, how did the wise men come to worship Jesus? Let's look again at verse two. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. God called and guided the wise men to find and worship Jesus. They followed a star in the sky from their homeland, probably somewhere in Babylon, all the way to Jerusalem. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, verses 9 and 10 show that they were further guided to Bethlehem, to Jesus' home. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The wise men looked at the predictable movement of the stars to make predictions on events. This star's supernatural appearance broke out of this predictable pattern. Now there's a, a lot of speculation on what the star was. Was it an actual star? A star and a planet aligned together? A comet? Angels? A miraculous glow? We don't, we don't know for certain. The text doesn't tell us more about the star. But this is one of those points that we should try not to get distracted by. Let's look instead at what we do know. God moved in a supernatural way to signal the arrival of the King and Messiah and guide the wise men to him. The wise men may have been aware of messianic prophecies conveyed during Daniel's time in exile in Babylon, including Balaam's prophecy of the promised king from Numbers 24. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The key point is that God was the one drawing the wise men to worship Jesus. And he continues to call and guide people to Jesus today. 
Later in Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So why are you here tonight? Like the wise men, it may be a break from your routine. God uses many ways to call people to him. Did a friend invite you? Maybe you searched online and and found the church. Maybe you heard some crazy carolers at your house and they handed you an invitation. I, I hope that's the case. Could it be that God is calling you to Jesus? So what do you do with this call? Well, what did the wise men do? Did they see this unusual star and then just move on with their lives? No. They responded in faith and went to Jesus. They left their lives behind and came to Jesus. Contrast this with with Herod, who rejected Jesus and sought to destroy him. Herod's personal kingship was threatened by Jesus the king. And contrast this with the the chief priests and scribes who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, but were ambivalent to him and did nothing. In the same way, you can try to be king of your own life, like Herod, or you can choose to ignore Jesus, like the religious leaders. Both of these lead you further away from Jesus. Or, like the wise men, you can move toward Jesus so that you can worship him, place your trust in him as your king and savior. And this raises the final question. Who should worship Jesus as king and savior? This brings us back to the beginning of the story. Because one of the most shocking things about this passage is the appearance of the wise men as the first to worship Jesus. These are certainly unexpected characters. They were essentially astrologers. The Greek word for wise men is magi, which is where we get the word magician. They were Daniel's enemies in the Old Testament. John Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost, described the wise men as star-led wizards. One commentator called them brutal pagans. So why does Matthew highlight these brutal pagans as the first to worship Jesus? For this answer, we can look at the end of Matthew, which closes with the great commission from Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Matthew's focus throughout his gospel is on how the salvation Jesus brings extends to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish population, and to all nations. What better way to lay the foundation for this than to describe how this group of brutal pagans from Babylon recognized Jesus 
as king and messiah and fell down and worshiped him. This is shocking and surprising because Jesus' salvation of sinners is shocking. Romans 5.10 tells us that Jesus reconciled us to God while we were still enemies of God. Maybe you have felt like an enemy of God, like the wise men once were. Maybe you feel far away from Jesus, like the wise men once were. Let's be honest. Maybe sometimes you feel like a brutal pagan, and there's no hope for salvation. Like the wise men, Jesus calls you to him. He will accept you with open arms. How? Let's quickly retrace the path of the wise men, this time moving forward to Jesus. First, recognize that even though you are separated from God because of your sin, God calls you to Jesus to fix this. Second, leave your current sin behind you. Repent of your sin and move to Jesus. Third, stop trying to be your own king. Declare that Jesus is king of your life. And fourth, worship him as your king and savior. Worship him for delivering you from the punishment due because of your sins. Worship him for dying on the cross and taking those sins to the grave and rising to life again, providing you with a new life in him forever. Tomorrow on Christmas Day and in Christmas seasons to come, when you reflect on the journey of the wise men, remember to always strive to meet Jesus and then fall down and worship him. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you tonight. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and our rescuer. Thank you for sending him to rescue us from the eternal punishment that we deserve because of our sins. If we just turn from our sins and place our trust in Jesus as our savior. This Christmas, help us to focus on this ultimate gift. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.